Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 99. Today we're talking Lecro signed by North, ESL Cologne week one, and a little old chat with the mother of Gratisfaction. Hey guys, this is Lecro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Fair. Code Zero. Flusher. This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to Truth? The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth CSGO podcast. The Truth CSGO podcast. The Truth CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? So for this episode, I initially wanted to put together a compilation of interviews with the unsung heroes of CS, a.k.a. the mums of pro players. But I found out last minute I've got to go to Toronto on Monday for work, and I didn't have the chance to wrangle all the mums. But I did manage to have a chat with Colleen Kaiwai, a.k.a. the mum of Gratisfaction. And I have to say, if you are missing your mum during lockdown, listen on, because you'll get a big dose of warm mum vibes from this one. But first, let's have a quick chat about rosters and Cologne. The only big move of late has been the signing of Lecro to North. It's been about two years since Lecro's uh, just been able to concentrate on fragging after putting up his hand to be the IGL over at Nip when Dennis decided he'd rather focus on being a pistol god, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him possibly hitting some consistently savage one digs on a basis regular in the future that is near. I did think Lecro would be going to envy when he was benched over at Nip, because at this point Nifty and Co look like they're playing Pokemon and didn't yet have a Scando ball in their pocket. But I guess this way Lecro doesn't have to travel into Mordor. Uh, I mean, Los Angeles. Now, I have no idea if Jonas Olofsson speaks Danish or North are going to go full Englando. Lecro also ain't a spring chicken these days. He's 27. Uh, you know, in life terms, it's a spring chicken. But in CSGO years, that's about the time when some players start enjoying bridge on the weekend with the girls. So what we think of now as Lecro's visible prime may be over. But it's possible his prime as a teammate is just dawning. You young whippersnappers who are 21, 22 think you know everything, but just you wait until you hit 28. That's when the enormity of your ignorance really hits you like a ton of feathers. I didn't recover from the shock of that until well into my 30s, and the reverberations continue into the wee dawn of most nights. Now, also, I don't know when these North uh, guys are going to be playing next. They don't have any scheduled matches on HLTV, which gives me a creeping feeling it's possible we'll get another roster change before they do. Uh, in that case, Cajun would statistically be the player to go. He's sitting on a 0.95 rating right now, and everyone else in the team, including uh, newcomer Lecro, is over the one. This feeling might be based on the fact that if you've made the jump to an international team, well, now you don't have the extra incentive to keep any of your lesser-performing players simply because they're Danish. And the pool these guys can choose from now is slightly larger. Although, having a look at the free players right now, it's pretty thin on the ground compared to where we've been in the past. We do know that Smuya was in talks to join, or at least that's what he says. Uh, although, why North would get another Orpa is beyond me. Because um, MSL's... Uh, usually shouldering the big green. If I were them, I'd probably treat this team uh, a bit more like an academy, sort of what uh, like Mad Lions have done. MSL sort of seems to be a bit of a control freak, and that sort of leadership is always going to work best with the younger players. But I suspect uh, Chris J is probably going to end up here in the next couple of months. Yugi's going to come back, and the whole thing is going to end up a bowl of soggy brand flakes. Uh, or not. North might surprise me. We're at the tail end of week one of ESL1 Cologne online, as it is, uh, as of recording this. And in the EU bracket, we've seen world number one team, Big, get knocked out in two games, going down 2-0 to fellow countryman Sprout and then 2-1 to Nip. 
And let's face it, Big had a wealth of demos for everyone else to stream 24-7. So in that sense, they definitely had the disadvantage. Uh, Sprout's victory, I get, because it's the kind of lack of respect that you generally get from countrymen. Um, but these guys should have beaten Nip, I think, who didn't really look like world beaters on the server. Uh, Twists is off the AWP now. Nork's AWPing. That seems a little fresh and a little rusty uh, at this point. Uh, but possibly bigger, just exhausted from all the grinding they've and the work they've been putting in to win the last few comps that they've done. Mouse Sports have also been banged out too. They went down to Na'Vi and then last night to Mad Lions. These guys are looking like a shadow of their former selves from the end of last year and the very beginning of this year. Something's going on with the discipline in this team, I would suggest. It's as if Carrigan has that initial massive success with his teams and then sort of gets interested in other things. <laughs> I don't know. It's one thing to corral and hype up the young players at the start, and that energy obviously gives his style you know, a huge amount of power when it's riding on that energy. But it's possible that when this sort of circadian wave of hype dies in the team, it lacks the professional structure to maintain a base level of competence. You know, we saw him on stream last night when they went down to Mad Lions, getting really excited when they uh, when they did win a round. But what's holding the team together around that? It's not clear to me. Uh, Bimus is now the sixth man on this team, and speculation is rife that he's going to be replacing Chris J. But Frozen wasn't looking great in these two matches, and for my money, he's been the difference maker when they've really been great. Rops is always good, and Woxig is very visible when he's popping off because he's so flashy. But when Frozen's going ham, it seems to have this effect on the others that I assume has something to do with the fact that he's the most inexperienced there. So, I don't know. I don't think they should necessarily start to rebuild now, but something needs to change here. Still fighting in this bracket of Sprout, OG, Complexity, Nip, and Mad Lions. Complexity have a had a large 2-0 victory over Nip to start off with, so they're looking hot to trot too. Now moving on, the Group B uh, bracket saw Heretics get punched out by Vitality and Fnatic and MRBR taken out by G2 and then FaZe last night. This bracket starts at 2.30 a.m. my time, so I've only been able to see a few of these games. Of note was the opening matchup between Astralis and Fnatic that saw the new-look lineup debut of Astralis, with Bubski and Esetag standing in for Glaive and Zipnix and Majisk on the IGL duties. This was a smashing debut, especially for the Bub Dog, and provides the first slab of evidence that the system Astralis have set up for their players might actually be bigger than the players themselves. Now, Heroic also had a cracker of a debut against FaZe, they beat them 2-0 in the opening, and they've got something to prove after the fun punch fuck around. You could see in their clutches the adrenaline was really pumping. This tournament obviously means a hell of a lot to them for all you heroic fans. Hopefully the nerves don't spoil their biggest chance to shine, uh, which ESL1 represents uh, here. Uh, the biggest chance to shine in some time, I should say. Now, also, also worth noting is that the Danish Nico outfragged the Bosnian Nico. Uh, in their matchup against FaZe. It's happening, dot, dot, dot. Still in this bracket, uh, Fnatic, FaZe, Heroic, G2, Vitality, and Astralis, and I would say the favorite at this point could be Vitality. Over in North America, Chaos are on a tear. They 2 nilled Furia, then beat 100 Thieves, and EG are also two victories deep after smashing Triumph and Liquid. Liquid and 100 Thieves will be fighting for their lives versus the winners of Furia and Gen G and Triumph from Cloud9, respectively. I would say right now all signs point to a final between Chaos and EG, but the sweetest matchup would see 100 Thieves pull their fingers out and take on EG for my money. It is exciting for all steel. 
uh, Josh Nissen fans to see Chaos really smashing some heads. But for me, 100 Thieves have been so bubbling under the surface for so long. Also, I'm a Pet versus his old team would be a juicy storyline. Now, speaking of these boys, it's time to chat to Colleen Kaiwai, whose last name I really want to pronounce Kiwi, because she is the proud mother of Sean Kaiwai, a.k.a. the Walrus of the Antipodes, a.k.a. the Brisker Whisker Risking It for the Bisker, a.k.a. the Mustachioed Pistachio from the 100 Thievatios, Gratisfaction. Hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you going? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for getting up in the morning and oh no look it's 12 o'clock in the, in the daytime here so it's not a big deal where, where are you guys in the south um, or north island north island ah okay so we're in gisborne which is on the east coast of the north island and it's quite a little isolated township um it takes about oh, probably two hours from either side to get through okay. to gisborne from any other place i'm looking it up right now i've never heard okay. of it <laughs> yeah, we're quite small. We've only got a population of about 36,000. We wow. call ourselves a city, but we're not really. Is there a statue of your son yet in the town square? No. Um, esports is not a big thing here. <laughs> what is big there? Um, oh, it's traditional New Zealand, so it's rugby, um, netball for girls. Um, yeah, more outdoor sort of sports. Surfing, we have great surfing here, absolutely great. Um, we've got quite a few kids who've done well with surfing. But yeah, esports. I think it's it's this hemisphere. There's that whole perception of it being kids stuck away in bedrooms or, you know, and on computers all day and it's not healthy. Um, and, and yeah, it's just not perceived as being something relevant or real. I mean, mm. every time I tell someone that Sean's a, a professional gamer, they're like, what, he, he makes games? I'm like, no, he plays a game. <laughs> and they just don't get it. <laughs> Did you always feel that way? Did you always get it? Yeah, well, the, so we never had a TV when the kids were young. So there was no sort of technology in the house. And then got a PC because I originally trained as a teacher. Um, so that was when the, I think his oldest brother was about 11, maybe 12 when we got the computer. Um and so they got it at like an hour a day each. But Sean was only about five then, so he wasn't really interested. Um, and then it wasn't until he was about, oh, God, nine or ten, I think he started playing a game called Maple Story. Mm. But then, um, yeah, we'd, we'd had a PlayStation once we got the TV and things like that. So the kids were allowed to play games. And I actually enjoyed playing alongside them. I'm useless, absolutely useless. But I did enjoy playing <laughs> <laughs> simple games like Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, it's just sort of they, as they got older, they had part time jobs, they could afford their own laptops, and then they all started playing League of Legends together. Mm. <clears throat> and they were scattered all across the country at that stage, studying, working. Um, Sean and his sister um, and old, next oldest brother were all still at home. So they would sit around the dining room table and play League of Legends online with their siblings. And it's remained like that ever since. They all still, they're like always in touch. Always That's so cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It's 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 really cool. And like, um, their partners also get involved um, and play. We're playing League of Legends. <laughs> how many of the? How many of you are there? There's five kids. Oh wow! So there's four boys and one girl, and Sean is the baby of the family. 
I have three siblings and I wish we all played Counter-Strike together. You could have a great four-man stack. (laughs) You would. (laughs) But it was his oldest brother that actually got him into it because they played League of Legends. And Mm -hmm. when he decided he wanted to be a professional gamer, I said to him, what are you going to do when you leave school? And he goes, I want to be a professional gamer. I'm like, is that a thing? And he goes, yeah, 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 it is. And I went, okay, well, give it a go, I suppose. Um, And so I asked his siblings rather than him because I don't want to – burst his bubble or anything, I said to them, is he any good? And they went, mum, he's great. He's like top three in Australia. He's amazing. So I'm like, okay, well, if you don't try, you don't know. You know, there's no point in having what ifs or if onlys. I always say that to my kids. I always say, you know, just give it a shot. You either like it or you don't. But if you haven't given it a go, you'll never know. And when did you become aware of CS? CSGO was at, you know, you must have been playing that for a while then. Uh, well, CS was in our house before that. So CS 1.6 was his oldest brother's um, favourite game. And so when we got the computer, we also had dial-up, oh, the days of dial-up. <laughs> so we got an answer phone and he had to get, his father had said that he had to get off the phone once an hour so that he could check messages on the phone, on the answer phone, which was just swearing, cursing. I'm in the middle of a game. Why do I have to get off? <laughs> Eventually, Dad left. Things fell apart. But um, so then it was yeah, it was always one point six, and and Anuru always played one point six, and Sean was never really interested in it. So it was League of Legends, and then Sean, uh, Anuru, the oldest brother, started playing CS and said to Sean, "I think you'd really like this. It's more individual because he's you know he's really good in a team, but he has that individual thing that he likes doing." So he started playing probably when he was about fifteen maybe and then yeah just took off just and then four years later he was in uh in australia yeah yeah why is it always the uh, the older brother it's it's such a common theme with the (laughs) csgo bros yeah it is i don't know just because i suppose they paved the way i mean him and sean and and anaru were in teams together you know their first competitions his first lands that he went to were with his oldest brother Hmm. so i thought it was I suppose it's like a mentor type thing. You know, they almost paved the way for them and, and and they're there for them and support them. So it helps them along their pathway. Mm. Or maybe that just looks like their older brother's having so much fun they want to get in on it. I noticed there were um, several CSGO mums on Twitter and I know you're in touch with Mrs. Inns. Do you guys sort of have your own discord channel or network <laughs> no no we don't at all which is weird i suppose you ever get in front of the whiteboard and work out some executes and send them <laughs> on to the boys <laughs> i don't even know where to start <laughs> i am the mother who every time sean plays before he plays i send him a positive message i give him encouragement i tell him i'm going to watch him that oh. i have faith and i believe and after every game whether they win or lose I send him a message straight away, just telling him what was great, telling him that it's going to be, it's just a day at the office that was a bad day, you know, moving on, onwards and upwards. So I'm just that that support person. And I just have so much faith in him. <clears throat> I have to apologise. Um, I was a little bit rusty um, <laughs> this morning because I was up watching Cologne. Did, did you? I do. I how do. do, you, you, do you do the staying up? You don't watch the demo highlights the next day? No. No, if it's Sean, I watch live. Yeah no matter what time of day or night, if I can. Yeah. Even when I'm at work, I'll surreptitiously have my phone in my pocket and just be listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a midwife, so it's a bit Oh, my God. (laughs) But I managed to get breaks so I can go and watch. But, yeah, I just – when he first started playing, I wouldn't watch when he was first with Greyhound because I said to him I felt like I jinxed him, and he said to me, 
mum, there's no such thing as jinxing me. I either play well or I don't. It's got absolutely nothing to do with you or anyone watching. So um, so from then on, I've watched. I mean, it's terrifying. As a mother, watching any of your kids doing something competitive mm. is really, really stressful. <laughs> like the adrenaline's going, your heart rate's up, and it's just because you really feel for them and you want them to do well and you want the best for them. Mm. So, yeah, so it is, but I still watch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I remember when my I used to compete in public speaking competitions and my oh, mother, yeah. you know, I'd come off the stage and yep. she'd be sitting there biting her nails and like shaking <laughs> and I'd be like, just relax, you know, like, <laughs> you guys I'd be are far more relaxed than her. Yeah, it's always like that. We just, we want the best for our kids. We mm. always want the best for our kids, yeah. I mean, all my kids, I want the best for them. I want them to be happy. I want to feel like they're doing something that makes them happy about the day they've had even if it's a bad day it's still like, i don't care i want to go back and i feel like that about my job no matter how stressful no matter how busy no matter how intense i'm all i always look forward to going back to work mm. and sean and i had that discussion you know there's that saying if you love find what you love and you do that as a job you never work a day in your life mm -hmm. and that's how he feels that's how i feel you, so you must have watched a lot of games. It's been five years since he's been a pro. What's your, how's your knowledge of the game at this point? <laughs> Not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever play? Uh, I have only ever tried to play once, and that was, um, oh, sorry. I've got stuff going on in the background. I hope it's not a baby being born. No. You're at home, Colin. I'm on Sean's computer at home, and it's okay. come up with, um, oh, God, CSGO has shown up. <laughs> I'm trying to silence it. I don't know how. How is right. CSGO showing up? Well, because it's his. So he's got a gaming computer at home, which we use uh -huh. when he's um, not around. I mean, I don't think he even plays with it anymore. And, um, God, I don't know how to get out of CSGO on his computer. I'll Just quit. start Here playing, start a match, and we'll no, talk you I through can't. it. No, no. Start, <laughs> queue up some MM, Colleen. We'll... No, I've turned it off. <laughs> Seriously, I tried to play once. The kids are like, go, give it a go, Mum, give it a go. And I'm fine with a little old PlayStation with the hand control. So I got on, and it's the letters, the WSD, whatever they are. I couldn't coordinate that with the mouse. <laughs> I managed to turn myself around, run into a corner, look down to the corner, and start shooting my rifle until somebody found me and killed me. And that was the extent of my CSGO experience. <laughs> I think that sounds like a lot of people's first uh, CSGO experience. And honest. I'm too, too nervous to go back and try again. I know Annette, um, Ince's mum, she plays. Mm. And she started playing a bit of Valorant as well. But I'm just, I don't know if I'm uncoordinated with the keyboard. I suppose if I practiced heaps, I'd get it. But these kids these days, I mean, I have learned a lot over the years. I sat with um, Az's girlfriend at... Um, Sydney last year at Sydney IEM, we were mm. sitting watching a game and she was explaining to me, because I just thought you point the mouse and you shoot. Mm. And she's explaining, no, you move the mouse to specific positions on different sort of tracks and things to aim it and shoot it. I'm like, oh my God, that's just, <laughs> just blew my mind. So I understand the basics. I understand, you know, that there's two teams. The first time I ever watched it was like, what the hell just happened? That was the quickest thing that, and this round was over and I didn't even know it had started. Mm. But, yeah, I, I understand it now. I sort of understand the surface level, I'd say. I mm. don't the whole economy. I don't know how much guns cost or anything. I didn't even realise till recently that every time you kill someone, you get more money. Mm. <laughs> you've got a base rate each time. <laughs> so, yeah. And, I, yeah, it's just... That's it's, right. There's a lot of pros who don't know the money situation either. So, yeah, I wouldn't it's worry. Not so bad. It's interesting because 
it's like chess. It's almost like layers upon layers and strategizing ahead and adjusting depending on what your opposition does. I think it's actually quite a complex and interesting game. Mm. Just beyond my comprehension, though. <laughs> Speaking of <clears throat> I am Sydney, that's sort of where we really started to take notice of him through Greyhound. Uh, yes, yeah. He, those guys took some big scalps like FaZe yeah. um, at one point. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts about Greyhound because that seemed like a bit of a cowboy operation with this sort of <laughs> mysterious William Grey at the helm. What, what, what did you make of all that? Um, so Sean had been to Australia previously and stayed in Perth for about five months. So he'd gone over for a weekend for a competition and then just didn't come home and ended up in Perth with a teammate, I think, and stayed at the house for five months and then came back to New Zealand. And then he he talked about going to IEM Sydney the year before and saying that, you know, um, a friend was trying to crowdfund for him to go. I was like, wow, that's really cool, but why? And he goes, oh, just so that, you know, I can be there, see what it's like and all the rest of it. And um, I didn't find out later, until later, but um, I think Will actually contributed to that crowdfunding <laughs> amount to make sure Sean got there because he'd already heard about him and Irk and expressed an interest to meet them both. Anyway, he was here in New Zealand. He got the money to go to Sydney and Will approached him and Irk and asked if they'd, you know, they could join him and set up a team. So they said yes. And then he came back here and he was here with me, I think, for about, well, he was in New Zealand for about five months. Will, the computer I'm talking to you on is the computer that Will bought for him and had delivered here so that he could play wow. to New Zealand. Yeah, and then he was playing, and then he shifted to Sydney. So he was, he'd gone from working as a chef and playing part-time to then going over there and becoming full-time. And he um, he was living, <laughs> so I, I can't even remember the name of, oh, Lid, Lidcombe, is it? Lidcombe, yeah. Lidcombe. So he was living in that suburb because it had the best Wi-Fi in Sydney. He researched before he went there. <laughs> found some dodgy as flat yeah. and, and stayed there and was playing and then they started playing as Greyhound and I have nothing but admiration for Will. Yeah. He, was a, he was so great and his family, they just took Sean under their wing, um, really looked after him because he would have been on his own for Christmas that first year he was there. They took him to his, to, he flew to Melbourne, he hung out with them. Aww. Yeah, they were just, they're an awesome family and they went above and beyond, you know, just having an employee in his team. Actually, Will's mum was the first mum I ever spoke to. I met her oh. at IEM Sydney. I didn't even know who she was. I just said, oh, hey, what funny. are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I'm the mother of William Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's lovely, Mercedes. She was so good. So, yeah, and they've kept in touch. I mean, Sean and Will are really, really good mates. And, yeah, he actually encouraged Sean to leave Greyhound when he got the offer for Renegades, which was really amazing because that team was awesome. I think they would have gone places as Greyhound anyway. Yeah, they kind of were, weren't they? They were, and yeah, if he'd stayed, he probably would have, but he'd always wanted to go international. That was his dream. He wanted to get to the majors. That was his, yeah, he'd said that right from the start. Hmm. How did you so, deal with him going off to the US? Um, well, I was in Melbourne when he left. <laughs> I'd gone over to catch up with him and his sister who'd shifted over there, and I took one of my grandsons, and while I was there, he he talked to me about it. He said, I've had this offer. I don't know what to do. He had so many sleepless nights. He just didn't know whether to take it or not. He, didn't, he felt like he was being disloyal to Greyhound, um, but it was such a big opportunity. And so he we sort of nutted it out. And then he talked to Greyhound, the team, and Will in there, and decided to take the offer. So 
my, my daughter and myself, my grandson, we went out to the airport and waved him goodbye from Melbourne. Oh, airport. my God. Yeah. And then we cried. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then Greyhound put up the clip that they made about saying farewell to him, which just... Oh, I think that was more tears. It was so, <laughs> it was bittersweet. I think is the term. So let, let's let's skip Renegades. Let's go straight to where where he is now at 100 Thieves. Yep. These guys got off to a great start with a second to Australis at Beijing. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a little disappointing ever since. What did you think of the armor pet for Cassard move? Um, uh, oh, I don't know what to say because I do know some of the background stuff, but I won't mention it. Oh, yeah, I just don't, think, don't step on any toes. Here. No. Um, I think Cassard was great for the time and the place that he was there, and he was probably what they needed. But I just think that change is always good. Mm. It helps. I think that from what Sean's told me and what we've been talking about, that he's getting the opportunity to be a bit more free with his orb, which he probably didn't have so much of. I've always, I've always felt like these guys were above and beyond you know, the roles they're playing. Yeah. They, they always seem to me a little too uh, warm-blooded. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, I know like, what you mean. I, want, I, I kind of when I just want them to keep in, fire under the... Exactly, the yeah. 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 They're I so likeable, so. but, but yeah. it's frustrating. I want to see them really want it. Yeah, I think they really want it. I just think that they... They, I think the sports psychologist that's been working with them, Edward, has been amazing, but I think he can do a lot more with them. I think they just need more self-belief. Mm. You know, I think it's a bit of that Aussie-Kiwi thing where it's like, oh, you know, we don't want to put ourselves up on a pedestal. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be those big-headed guys that go, yeah, we're so good and let's just do this. Yeah. And so I think they always tend to downplay things a bit and totally. it comes through in their play style. As a, every interview with Azza, he's so self-deprecating. I'm like... You yeah. are the loveliest guy, but yeah. can you, like, come on, fire fire <laughs> up, man. I know, just, you can see it. It's like it's simmering and simmering and simmering, and there's occasional glimpses of that brilliance that they could have, but then they just sort of like, oh, it's, yeah, it just seems like such a Kiwi Aussie, especially a Kiwi thing, you know. It's like, oh, I don't want to put my neck out there and, you know, imply that I'm fantastic when maybe mm. I'm not. Isn't yeah. there some sort of... Uh, I don't know, traditional New Zealander type, um, go out into the jungle, rip your shirt off, sort of <laughs> cover your face in mud, you know, get primal, come back. Isn't there some sort of, uh, what do you call it, a vision quest or something they could yeah, do? maybe he should just go on a, a big wānanga for the weekend at a marae and find his roots and everything like that. That might help. I don't yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, but yeah, maybe they do need to do that. But as a team, they need to... I mean, there's such a great, there's such great synergy between them. There's such a good team together. Yeah. They, you know, they click really well as people that they just need to let that flow over into their gaming and really have that faith and trust in each other, I think, and just let rip, really. But this is me saying this from a, as an outsider with no clue. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we're, we're armchair gamers on this podcast. Don't worry about But that's why I, I was a little bit worried about I'm a pet because he seems quite subdued as well. And I, I thought, you know, I was really hoping they'd get someone like the Brazilian guy Zeus or someone with some real yeah. fire. Yeah, well, behind when you them. look at what Evil Geniuses did to Liquid this morning, I'm like, oh, man. Exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> completely annihilated them. I, yeah, I think. <clears throat> In some ways, because Aaron's such a, a good in-game leader, he has a lot of 
ideas that keeps them going and motivates them during the game. Mm. So I think I'm a pet is very much there to work with them individually and as a team to teach them more about strategies and things like that. Well, that's my impression. Um, and I know that he works individually with each of them, which I think is great because that helps them see themselves and focus on them rather than, you know, because it's so easy to nitpick, I suppose, when you lose. And I don't think they do that ever as a team. Sean said they never, ever say, you should have done this or you should have done that. It's never like that when they discuss anything afterwards. They look at it as a team. You know, you just mentioned Gen G this morning. Gen G, sorry, EG. Um, 100 Thieves have been beaten by chaos. Yeah. That was disappointing. Oh, that was so frustrating. I was like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, come on, boys, you can do it. Mm. Especially on Mirage, that was a frustrating one because they're so good at that map sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're going to be facing off against the winners of Furia and Gen G, and <laughs> they've recently smashed Gen G, so that would seem like yeah. the better matchup. Yeah. Do you think they can beat Furia as well? I do think they can beat Furia. I think they get in their own heads when it comes to Furia because Furia sort of like really, um, they just pop off they're just there's no sort of like rhyme or reason i don't know how people describe it but it's sort of like that yeah they sort of play um i don't know not what are they called the fundamentals they're more sort of out of the box type stuff but i just think that the boys just need to focus on their game and just yeah play really well i'm really sure that they can beat furia hmm. yeah are there any I've, other teams that you watch or players you like watching um uh, who else do i like I, <laughs> who do I not like? No, I, love, I always watch Oh, Renegades. who do you not like, Colleen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Renegades. I still watch them because, mm. you know, they're still the boys that Sean played. Well, some of them are still the boys that played with Sean. And he actually played in a team with Ince years before he ended up in um, Greyhound and that. So him and um, Ince and Ali were in uh, Corva Day together at one stage. Mm. But, yeah. Um, the teams, I, I really like Australis. I do like them. Hmm. Um, and I like, actually, I do like Furia because <laughs> I do like their style of play. I think they're quite <laughs> exciting to watch. I don't like them when they're playing 100 Thieves, though. <laughs> I don't like any team when they're playing 100 Thieves. <laughs> I watch Tiger because Irk is in Tiger. Oh, yeah, they did well there. Uh, they did. as well. Yeah, hmm. yeah, Irk is like another son. Oh. Um, well, finally, uh, CSGO turned eight today, and so I, I think a congratulations is in order Absolutely. for your son having the most incredible facial hair in the pro scene ever. <laughs> he looks like a uh, samurai now, I reckon. He does. Look, he's running his own race at this point. He's like those Kenyans in marathons. The rest of the pack are still getting out of bed. Absolutely, and he's all groomed and ready to go, doing his own thing. I suppose it's just easier with no hairdressers and things available in um, Los Angeles with the way things are. So he's grown his hair and put it in a top knot and grown the facial hair a bit differently. It's it's funny. He always sends me updated photos of what he's looking like, so it's quite good. He got new glasses as well, so that helped with the whole look, I suppose. Yeah, he's looking very schmick. He is. <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud of how how well he's done. I mean, it's... Not a job that, I mean, I've got friends or family who say, he does what? Is that a thing? You're still talking about his moustache here, right? No, I'm talking about <laughs> CSGO. <laughs> they don't even see the photos of him. <laughs> kidding. They did do an article on him in the local uh, paper about, oh, March this year. Hmm. Um, a friend who's a reporter got the local Herald to do an article on him, which was quite a nice article. They just spoke to him on, um, on the phone and that. 
But um, yeah, people just don't get it. They really don't understand. I don't know what he'll do when he finishes CSGO, but the world will be his oyster, I think. Well, the world's changing every year as well. You know, next year won't, won't be the same no. for ex-CSGO pros as the, as the year after that. And Absolutely. I just hope that he has uh, a good few more years as a CSGO player because he loves it so much. Well, he's 24 and he's only getting better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I feel the same. And I just feel like he really needs to tap into his potential and really start, you know, because I even hear, I mean, I don't even know how you watch FPL, but every time you hear about him on FPL, it's like, you know, he's, or whatever that thing is, he's kicking off and, you know, people always talk about how great he is. Mm. But it's almost like, it's it's almost like they're all really good. And then as soon as they go to go out, it's like they put a muffler on or a silencer on and they deaden down everything that they're actually good at. But that's part of being a team too, you know. It's not all about the individual. If you wanted to be individually successful, he'd be playing Fortnite, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the one where you can win money on your own, some kid won millions? Yeah, well, I I am certainly glad he's not. Thanks so much for your chat, uh, Colleen. It's absolutely fine. It was lovely talking to you. What a delightful lady. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. Now, episode 100 is coming up, probably the last official episode of this podcast, and we've got a very, very special guest to see us out. I'm ridiculously excited to be speaking to him tonight, actually. And if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you will enjoy the poetry of it. Uh, No, it isn't Bialy. I don't think he's ever going to do an interview, but it's even better. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to Colleen for coming. And for those who've donated to the Patreon, for you guys, I'm working on a special episode as a thank you for your support. I've mentioned it before. It's going to be about identity. And as of now, we'll illuminate such esoterica as what we can learn from the similarities between Daft Punk's One More Time and the screenplay for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So if you're not currently donating to the Patreon and you want to get access to this episode, it's your last chance because I'm going to be closing the Patreon down after episode 100. I suppose I'll eventually release the special app into the regular stream, but probably not till the very end of the year. So the Patreons will be getting it in a few months, uh, a few months in advance. Anyway, thanks for listening. Music was by Beaufort. Until next time, enjoy the game and enjoy Cologne. (laughs) 